Anyway, good morning, good afternoon. Oh, I've got to pop my microphone there. Let me start again. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. And for the first time ever in the history of doing this podcast, we have absolutely no idea where this podcast is going to go. Now, that is deliberate. Mm. It's a deliberate intent. And when I say that, I'm probably being slightly uh, slippery uh, <laughs> with the truth. Only slightly, because I threw this at Ant this morning. I sent him a little picture. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is, a, it is, it is fair to say that it's it's not dodgy. It's quite a fair little. It's a nice little picture of a tennis match. JB, JB, may, may I interrupt you briefly? Yes. Um, and may I give you some of my IFW for a second? Please feel free. For, for the recorded listeners as well. Um, you, you seem to have lost the small talk these days. You never ask how I am anymore. And, and people want to know about your latest purchase. And you, whenever these episodes start, you get straight into the excitement of the, 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 the kind of the meat of the episode. And, and, I, and I think the listeners deserve, before we ever get going, to know about how your kitchen is. The fact that for the first time ever, your door's open and we can hear the birds on the podcast. I mean, there's so many magical moments we should share before we get into the thrust of things, don't you think? Do you know what, Ant? You're absolutely right. <sighs> Thank goodness. Let's talk about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, you're so right. You're so right. I, I just went off like a, like a turbocharged ferret uh, <laughs> into the unknown. So may you tell us, because well, look, I, 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 I know I know a, a secret that you're about to tell the world, which I suspect will become a broadcast capsule in your potential shed of movement, if I may Ooh, tease any further. Um, well, it wasn't good enough, dear listeners, to build a shed single-handedly <laughs> in the back of my garden with no access from anywhere. All of this stuff, building the shed had to be brought through the head, dragged like, like, I'm not going to use a religious <laughs> metaphor. You know what happened last time. Um, but uh, I had to drag all this stuff, built this shed. I built this shed. Cue for a song, Ant. You built the city on rock and roll. Can roll. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm very close to completing my kitchen which my wife took me off the project because she's worried about me squirming around on the floor in agony uh, writhing i was writhing in agony she wants to keep you for herself so she said enough enough stop this you maniac slow down you're going to kill yourself so that's not enough not enough to build a build a kitchen, not enough to build a shed, not enough to write a book. Oh no. What do we do next? We buy a bongo. Ladies and gentlemen, we have bought a bongo. For those that are um, uh, of the less uh, bongo mind, um, what is a bongo exactly? I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> because it is a sensationally beautiful uh camper van and it's made in japan it was made in japan in 1996 in hiroshima wow okay i know yeah and it was 
imported or exported to the UK and there it was converted beautifully into a camper van and it is uh, extremely well appointed with a fridge, uh, a sink, a hob and a what they call a rock and roll bed. This is what they're called in wow. camper van land, by the way. And I, I just, I wanted to buy it just because it had a rock and roll bed. Yeah. I imagine Where nights. you make music. <laughs> nights uh, with my banjo on the rock and roll bed, oh, oh. Uh, strumming and singing my wife to sleep. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, All these metaphors. Anyway, so uh, it's also got, and this will excite you, mm -hmm. It's it's got uh, a roof that uh, pops up to a great height. A rock and, and roll you, bed and an erecting roof. I mean, can these... Yeah, and you, and you pop through a little hole into uh, the second... It's got a second floor. It's got two stories. And you, you pop up through the little hole and um, then you can you can pull the... You know, cover the hole again uh, and there is another bedroom. I'm not sure that it's sufficiently robust enough for someone like me uh, to sleep up there, but I could imagine some little friends of mine who could come and stay with us uh, and have a little bit of fun. Unfortunately, that might not be you, Ant, but um, there are other people. I'll be honest, if if the if the space between the second floor and the ground floor is pretty close, I'd be nervous about laying directly above your rock and roll bed. I <laughs> <laughs> um, tell you what, what's exciting is the pop-up roof hmm. is electric. So you press a little button. <laughs> an, an electric erecting roof. Yeah, and up it goes. It's got a, um, a Thule uh, bike rack on the back, right? all thrown in. Mm. And it's got a 2.5-litre diesel engine, turbo diesel. And we went out in it and flies along like a good one. And uh, it's done 92,000 miles. Nothing on one on of those, is it? For a 2.5-litre diesel. It's just getting into itself. It needs got loads and loads of life left in it. And um, anyway, so uh, we bought it. Uh, we're picking it up on Saturday and we've already got an invite from some friends of ours who've got a camper van to go off uh, to a wood, I think it is. We're going for a little drinky. Right. Um, and we've also we've also joined the uh, Bongo fan club. Um, and we've seen the pictures of of all the bongo um, people fan club people, okay. and uh, I think that uh, a lot of them, probably ninety percent, have swerved it a little. But I think it could be quite entertaining if I got my banjo out and sung. We'd have a little on concert your, for on them. Your rock and roll bed. Yeah, all on the rock and roll bed. That is my life. That's what's happened to me. So, you know, you know, sometimes you think, isn't it nice to try and do the small talk at the beginning of these podcasts? Then you kind of think, as she's been listening, maybe strumming a banjo on a rock and roll bed with an erecting roof is maybe a topic I should have not bothered delving into. But anyway, we've... No, well, yeah. you see, that's why I worry sometimes that I just take too much of the mic. And, and once you ask me a question like that, I'm unstoppable. So I'll shut up now no, it's good. and ask you, Anne, how are you and what's your equivalent to the bongo story? Less exciting, I'm afraid. <clears throat> um, we are entering into a prolonged debate, mass debate, with um, our local planning department um, in the UK oh, for, yes. for, for um, our 
um, British listeners, you'll be aware that there are local councils in which you should have planning um, uh, notices put up for things that are being put up in your area. And I moved into this house nine months ago and lo and behold, a few weeks ago, there's a notice about a variation of an existing plan that's been approved to put a playground directly in front of my house. It didn't come up in the searches. So we're now um, going through legal proceedings to stop the installation happening because we weren't notified. Um, so that's been, but what's been useful, of course, JB, the, 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 there is a moral of the story here is that don't buy a house in the UK. No, the, um, no, that there has been a positive output that all of our neighbours... Don't buy a house, buy a bongo. Well, there you go. Episode done. Uh, anyway, the, 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 the streets have become quite a community spirit off the back of this. We're standing together because none of them were ever made aware of this playground. It's been done under the radar. We've got this nice big green for the people in the live audience. Um, that's what I look over at them. Can you, oh, we can't see because of the virtual background. No, it, it oh, just no. looks like a, a sort of bit of wool that's Hang going on. in and out of a breeze. Let's um, do that. Unraveling. Uh, that should fix it. Oh, there we are. So there's, there's the land and they want to put a playground there. So anyway... We are going to be fighting it. We're going to fight them on the beaches. And that's that, really. And then, um, yeah, we've just been... I've been obviously building barricades around the house in case they do start to install it. But no, it, it's been a, a less less eventful um, a household than yours, JB, because obviously the day job consumes most of my energy, which leaves me as an empty an empty shell Husk. by the weekend. Husk, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, if you planted a couple of beaches, then you could literally... Legitimately say that we will fight you on the beaches. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. Anyway, so for those of you that uh, are regular <laughs> listeners to us, you'll know you can submit listener questions. We have two listener questions submitted for today's podcast. If you're in the live audience and you want to submit a question, you can submit it in the Q and A box. And obviously, you need to mark it as anonymous, otherwise, we will read out your name. Um, anyway, so this week's topic, JB was talking about. He did WhatsApp me on this. Um, and he sent me a little picture. And um, if I'm honest, there never seems to be more than, I would say, three or four minutes or hours at best between JB's mention of a friend, a friend of his in his mind, who's an author of a book that... I've got lots of those. <laughs> yeah, he buys more copies in the hope that at some point he'll get a signed copy from his loyalty to this author. But I am pleased to say this author that wrote this book has beginning following us, and we don't know whether he listens to this podcast, but oh, I also know he connected with us on LinkedIn, and and I, and I got all excited because I asked him at some point to surprise us by being a guest on our podcast. But oh, I'd love that. He has yet to respond, I probably because he wants paying for it, no doubt. And we don't we don't have any budget here for podcasts, do we? So if he if he if he came on our podcast, I would give him a ride in my bongo on your rock and roll bed. Absolutely, Playing your anything. I'd do anything. Nice. Um, <clears throat> Now then, where where should we start? So the, the the picture that I sent out this morning was a uh, guy in a, a tennis outfit uh, shouting, screaming out instructions uh, to someone else. Uh, clearly, they were on a tennis court and the guy who was screaming these instructions was some sort of instructor in his mind he there we are for the live audience i'm holding up the picture that jb sent me he probably thought that he was um, basically a coach but we we know better we know that he's not and the poor recipient of the instruction uh, was the instructee in other words the coachee who was trying to get his game together 
Um, but, uh, but the interference from the so-called coach was so great uh, that sweat was dripping from his forehead and he didn't really know what he was doing. So instantly Ant would understand what that's all about. Yeah. And it's from the work of Timothy Galway and his wonderful book, uh, The Inner Game of Tennis. He's written quite a few since. Um, the Inner Game of Work uh, is uh, a fantastic book. Uh, nothing can replace The Inner Game of Tennis for me though. Uh, I find it um, inspirational and so do many of my clients and other people that I know. Here's a quote. Uh, oh, I was yeah? going to say, for those of you that haven't read the book, um, I've never read the book. Um, but I, what? I, I know, I, I know enough of it though. Um, from the the number of times that JB's explained it, you so don't need to. so here we go. I would love JB to critique my critique of a book that I've never read, which is really okay. really good. So, the inner game of tennis um, is all about effectively um, the audience in your head. You have two audiences in your head, uh, one telling you that you're actually doing really well, almost an autotelic style of con relaxed concentration uh it is there to support you um and everything's good there is this other audience in your head that tells you you can't do stuff this sabotage uh, mindset which says you can't do that you, your sister's better than you than that and and effectively then almost sabotages your ability to do anything you become debilitated from your own thoughts and the inner game of tennis was all ba based around the theme that actually often coaches don't realise that they don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Actually, uh, the inner game of tennis, Timothy Galway in particular, if I'm not mistaken, JB, um, was a former tennis coach himself. Absolutely. And Absolutely. people were becoming better tennis players than he was. And he thought, actually, where's my USP? And actually what he then did is allowed people to have through coaching the increased awareness of the things that may sabotage their relaxed concentration to reduce it. Um, a little book, apparently, you can read it probably in, I don't know, a couple of hours. Um, and Timothy Galway, there you go. I think that's pretty damn good, Ant. Thanks. I, 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 I like that a lot, and I think it explains it really well. Thank you, B. It's been a great podcast. <laughs> I've been Jonathan Bradley. He's been Anthony Price. And we'll see you next week. Sure. Um, is that is is it worth me buying it then? <laughs> How many since two thousand and six? And I've been suggesting that you buy this book. I'm sorry. <sighs> Actually, God, that's right. fifteen years. Yeah, I've known you fifteen is it really? years. Yeah, two thousand six is fifteen years ago. Oh, that's that's nearly half your life. It is. Yeah, well, I had a forehead of hair when I met you. You did. I remember it well. No, I don't. Um, I never here's it. a quote, and this is from Timothy Galway. And Galway, by the way, is spelled G-A-L-L-W-E-Y, for those who might be tempted to do it differently, because he is my guru and I, I need to have everything correct and in place. Um, here's, the, here's the quote from Tim Galway, which I really like. Uh, Whatever we're trying to achieve, it would serve us well to pay more attention to the internal not just the external. If we can overcome the instinct to get in our own way and be more comfortable trusting in our innate abilities, the results may well be surprising. What I, what I love about that is we meet so many people in our lives in work uh, when we're leaders, managers, and 
you know, the focus is all on the external. The conversations are so often on what's going on in the business, what's going on for the business, what's going on for the client, what's going on for the shareholder, what's going on in operations, what's going on in sales, how are you hitting your targets, how are you going to overachieve that, um, you know, what's the state of play with engagement right now, what's your KPI looking like? These will be familiar to a lot of people, I think, with the kind of conversations that happen every day. But how often do we pay more attention to the internal, not just uh, the external, and how we overcome uh, this uh, interference of getting in our own way? Uh, a great friend of mine and CEO of uh, UKRD, Sunday Times, best company to work for, four times in a row. Do you want me to get the book? No, it's okay. okay. Um, William Rogers, uh, he said the greatest advice from his mother that he was given was just get over yourself. Now, to anyone else, this would sound quite insulting. Hmm. But William being William, and not knowing his mother, but I'm pretty sure she was a damn fine woman. Um, what she was saying to him is you actually need to get over, literally over yourself, to become uh, what you can be. Uh, and, you know, to trust your abilities. And, and William, you know, you will go on and thrive. And he did. He did. He got over himself. I meet an awful, a lot of people where they literally haven't got over themselves. Their life is, is Why are you looking about... at me when you say that? <laughs> No, absolutely not. I, I, I completely disagree with that point. Um, but I think this getting over oneself is is actually uh, really important. Let's just, um, just for clarity, uh, look at those self one, self two um, internalised voices that Ant was talking about. So um, self one is the internalised voice of our parents, our teachers, and every, every person that you can think of that's come your way uh, in authority. I'm sure you could visualize um, the voice of your parents, uh, your teachers, and those in authority. Some of those voices, maybe all of them, uh, will have been positive and reinforcing. I doubt it very much. Most people, in fact, all people that I've ever spoken to on this subject at any length, tell me that there are people who still are loud in their in their head yeah uh, where they they don't trust the ability of you and what you you're capable capable of is this comparable to imposter syndrome it it, it will certainly um feed beautifully feed uh efficiently feed imposter syndrome uh here here is um what 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 you feel when you've got a big self one going on so have a think about this uh, try and imagine someone from your past a teacher uh, a parent a boss a colleague i can think of quite a few where the following characteristics appear in you you feel these things tension fear doubt and trying too hard can you can you visualize that person, Ant? Can you see that person? 
yeah in in, in, any, in, in in any one of those yeah 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 yeah, yeah i can yeah i, I think yeah, yeah that it it comes and goes and i guess it depends on the situation doesn't it absolutely but it's it I, you see the thing is it's useful to be aware this is this is this is going in inner um you know looking looking at the intrinsic factors that make us do things or not do things in our lives um you don't want to do that uh old chris he's much better at the mathematics than you uh so you just crack on with painting lovely pictures or whatever it happens to be that's slightly autobiographical <laughs> um right so that's yourself one okay so tension fear doubt and trying too hard because the internalized voice is so loud from our history of parents teachers those in authority our bosses and so on now self two is a is a different kettle of fish self two is the whole human being with all its potential and capacities including the hired wired capacity to learn it's characterized by these things relaxed concentration enjoyment and trust so that's yourself one and yourself two and for me this is genius this is brilliant uh, so if you've got someone in your in your work who is really you just you you can see the tension in them you know the way they walk the way they speak the way they relate to others um you know they are trying to put on a brave face but they are fearful uh the self-doubt is rising when before maybe they were more confident and comfortable with things and now they're just trying far too hard you know maybe their jokes are a bit oh my goodness why are you trying so hard to be popular again you know you don't need to do that um you don't need to spend all night in the office uh, presenting this this crazy workhorse that we all have to believe in uh we need to we need to get behind that and have a damn good conversation uh with these people and i guess the starting point is having that conversation with ourselves and identifying ourselves one and ourselves two how how do you want me to follow that <laughs> well i i'm just throwing it out there ant and seeing where it goes you know what i'm like so um i would identify with many things you said there at different points in my career and what's interesting is you and i also refer to fixed dynamic mindset quite a yeah. lot yeah and perhaps fixed mindset dynamic mindset is more of a public persona of how people would rate you but maybe what drives the positioning on that matrix on the um dynamic or fixed is the self one self two thermometer what do i mean by that um is that often if we are driven by fear and actually um i want to give this a go but myself too is sorry myself one is telling me i can't do it that then obviously creates this almost digging your heels in and someone's pulling you towards this destination of the place you need to be and because you are resisting it because of self one 
it gives the reputation to others to suggest that actually you are quite fixed in your ways. But in actual fact, it ain't always the case. It is that self one is harming your reputation of being dynamic mindset. Um, and as you were talking through this, you've said to me and I've said to others before that, and, and for those listeners that don't understand, as a, as a leader, we talk about fixed dynamic a lot. So, you know, to your team, do you want to be seen as a fixed mindset individual, as in pretty rigid and probably uninterested in learning new stuff? This is how I do things. This is how we do business around here. This is how we'll interact. And I'm not really interested in your thinking. Dynamic is hungry for feedback, um, all those sorts of things. Um, but as a leader, um, quite often I would say when we work with many leaders, they have the absolute ambition to be on the dynamic mindset side of the spectrum. But their self one from this self one, self two metaphor is attacking their public persona to be very much on the fixed red bus. Um, and sorry, again, for the benefits of those of you that haven't heard me and JB talk in podcasts before, we talk about fixed being on a red bus and dynamic mindset people being on a green bus and the colours are probably deliberate in colour. So um, I often wonder whether um, we, when we're talking to leaders, when we take away their workspace, we take away their technical competencies, you are leaving this vulnerable individual sat in front of you who knows that now all they have to display to you is how fixed and dynamic they are and what their strengths and weaknesses are as human technical skills of being a people manager. And what we discover in a lot of our face-to-face -face work, and even when we're doing this virtually, we do lots of workshops with small groups of people now, you and I regularly come across people that they walk in the room and their reputation, I mean, me and JB haven't met these people before, they scream red bus, red bus, red bus, red bus. They sit down, their arms are folded, not really interested in interacting with other participants, uh, being in their phones. Virtually, we tell everyone they have to have their cameras on, heads tilted to the side. They're busy typing away on the, you know, and me and JB immediately red bus. And then as the program starts to begin and me and JB talk about fixed dynamic and the reputation that those people want to have with others there seems to be this light bulb moment of I need to be definitely more vulnerable or more open or dynamic but I maybe wonder when we do these talks to our groups of people in the audience's head they're thinking right I've got to I've got to let some of these anxieties go that's holding me back I need to show that I'm open and don't get me wrong a lot of people are entering our programs because they've been on bloody awful programs before and they're thinking here we go yet another management workshop but we work at a bit of a different level and we're yet to have someone that says actually that that this is quite unusual and quite good you know without blowing too much smoke up our asses so where am I going with this I think I wonder whether there is a, a more explicit connection of self one, self two internally and fixed dynamic being more of an external persona. And what we need to help leaders to do listening to this podcast is thinking, how can we be more self two when we do have the tools? Actually, we do have the potential and it's us that's holding us back from being that self two, because if I'm Playing self one internally, there is a risk that people outside are thinking I'm on a red bus. I think that makes sense. I think it makes great sense. 
I think it, um, you know, if if there isn't a better case uh, for giving someone a damn good listening to, then then I I don't know where to go because, you know, the opportunity for someone uh, to actually put themselves in a situation in their mind to visualize a self to moment where they are playing out of their minds, they are relaxed uh in what they're doing the relaxed concentration uh this guy called chick sent me hi uh, talks about it in terms of flow and uh we all experience that at various points in our lives where we uh drive a car so expertly uh i've, I've felt that when i was much younger not so much anymore but i don't know how i'll be with my bongo uh i'll probably go to self one but uh, there are times when we play tennis ourselves or we've done, you know, a, the most brilliant podcast. Mm. Uh, I, I, I think, uh, and you and I did a podcast, uh, when was it, Tuesday? Our last podcast that we so. did? No, sorry, not podcast, a webinar. A oh, webinar, talking. yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, right, I'm with you now. Uh, and I think that was one of our best. I really do, uh, personally. And I think the reason it was... Uh, one of our best was uh, a yes we had a fantastically interactive audience but yeah. at the same time I felt I thought about it afterwards spoke to Christabel my wife about it and I just said you know I just felt so relaxed is this the Seedle one or the one we did with the next curve company no the Seedle one on Tuesday yeah no, I agree uh, I it was just superb I, I felt I said to, I said to her just I love I love this I love what I do and um it it felt relaxed. I I was not nervous at all. I just felt totally <laughs> capable of doing it can without I, any problem. Can I add in? So a little backstory here. Um, when we have big clients go live on our platform, um, we tend to see a spike in numbers. And then we also see a lot of people that don't show up to the webinars, don't we? And I know with yeah. these live audiences, sometimes you'll see, well, there's actually going to be 150 in the audience and only 20 turn up. Um, and there was a case randomly last week where the numbers are really high, and I think we had single digits actually show up, which is really unusual. Yet, so I even went to our technology team and said, "Is there a problem with the platform? Because the enrollments—it's only ten percent of the enrollments have turned up to this webinar. What's what's going on?" So they investigated, and it just was clearly just a random moment of bad luck where everybody must have had a last-minute emergency. So fast forward to Tuesday this week. This was the one after that me and JB had had where we'd had this huge percentage. And we've also had a load, a load of big clients go live recently, which has boosted our enrollment numbers. So me and JB said, well, the numbers are, uh, you know, you know, 250, whatever it might be. I will expect 15 or 20 then to turn up based on what happened last time. And anyway, we unlock what happens is when we do our, our webinars is we have a practice button, which then means that we can talk to each other. We can get everything ready. And then we press go live and then all the people that are in the waiting room then are allowed in. And so we were, I think you and me were having a bit of an informal chit chat, weren't we? And uh, unlocked the doors and all of a sudden, and then you and me were like, oh, and then I'll be honest, self one went, oh, you weren't thinking about that. You were you coasting this one this morning. You weren't ready for this one, were you? But very quickly to your point, we knew our stuff. And by the way, this is not one, this wasn't a program that we've done particularly often with Seedle. That's true, yeah. Um, but 
me and JB, so I even joke with my team that um, I get cross if JB refers to anything other than me as his ningy new. For everybody else, it's a comfort oh, yeah, blanket. That's right. Yeah. Um, but but I think one thing that works with us with self too, with this whole um, relaxed concentration, is we know we can trust each other to, you know, if if I know that I know that if I miss something, JB's going to pick it up, and vice versa. And I think that plays into it. But no, I think um, self too definitely played a part because actually to your point when the audiences start getting very noisy and interactive it adds an element of okay that they're clearly engaged and this is therefore hitting things with the remote leadership role right now me and jb are also aware that when people are remote you can't see their faces so what will help me and jb going from self one self two is the confidence that the audience are actually acknowledging what we're saying they're getting involved in the polls they're talking in the chat box about our, our subject matter which would suggest it must be hitting the right note because we're getting the right comments in the chat box um but it's there's an awful lot that goes into play but you're right i like you thought it was um a really really good experience on tuesday one of our best as you say where where I, i'll give you an experience where myself one was very high hmm. Um, was uh, when I had recently been appointed a managing director of a radio station in Bristol. And uh, the big cheese, the CEO of the group, was coming down uh, to say hello to the Bristol team and to sort of um, just put a little bit of wind behind me in my new position. Thanks, Ralph. Uh, Ralph Bernard the CEO of GWR Group PLC, as it was at the time. He went on to be um, CEO of Albert Hall, didn't he, as well, for a while? Correct, yeah. Uh, fantastic guy, great leader. And I, I, to be honest with you, I at the time, I was a young man, I was in awe of him. And too much, actually. I was too, too much in awe of Ralph. And uh, I uh, had, had, had some feedback at the time that he felt that sometimes when I was presenting, I was a little too formal. And um, here he was, came into the room, and what did I do? Oh, no. I went really formal, and I tried too hard uh, in front of my uh, team. I did, there was about 35, 40 people there assembled, and I just became uh, a default position, I think, into formality, and I'm now going to hand over to Ralph. And he said, Jonathan, you don't have to be so damn formal. And everyone laughed and I died inside. <laughs> um, that, that was myself one. Um, I, I needed to, I wasn't relaxed. I was incredibly self-conscious. And, you know, I was at the beginning of, you know, a new kind of senior um, position and, uh, I, I, it really hit me, and that was that was myself one. Myself two is the example that I gave you about last Tuesday. And give us a self one. Um, well, um, it, it, where I like to think I'm self two is around technology in webinars. Mm. So me and JB face to face, I would say we pretty much there was always a little bit of self one at the beginning because as the audience come in. To these rooms you start to think oh okay he looks a bit of a shady character she doesn't want to be here <laughs> um and self one starts to raise but we very quickly get into our flow we we know we know we've done it often enough that we've had so many people enter the room leave the room love you um, and there's some really you know a guy called howard won't say his surname but you know Howard was one of those people that was absolutely adamant anyway i digress for me when self one goes through the roof 
is more around everyone knows that Ant is the technology backdrop. He's the safety net. So if it goes wrong for me, balls, because I've got no one that can support me. Oh, yeah. So um, I will, and and JB will laugh with this because my most recent experience of Self One was when me and JB were in front of an executive team of a very large client of ours. um, And um, JB WhatsApp me to say, internet's just not working. And we had, um, you know, I'd say the combined salary of these 12 people is two, three million pounds a year. So they are heavy hitting people. Um, And, um, there was me and me and JB have our opening very, very slick. So we have a preset. It's not scripted, but I know what JB's going to cover. JB knows what I'm going to cover. And there is really slick pass offs. We have signals so that people think that it's, we're not talking over each other. How do they do? How do they do that so smoothly without them? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, in these, it's a bit different, but anyway, so I turn up in the room and it's, you know, JB and I normally get into the room 15 minutes before we let the punters in. I had to open up the room for the our arrivals and then they start trotting and there's, where's JB? JB comes in and, and then he's kind of looking down because his camera, as you can see for those in the live audience is pretty parallel. Um, all of a sudden I've got JB and this is um, for the live audience. It's kind of like that because he's got his mobile phone on his desk. And honestly, it was, <laughs> it was, um, for me, going, oh no! Oh, and I knew he was he was connected via his phone with four G, and uh, and then of course all the stuff you then rely on. You think, oh, oh no! Is JB gonna? Is, if JB cuts off, can I pick up what? And obviously you're then overthinking. So and and uh, you know things like that as well. Um, another example of my childhood, if I may. Mm. Um, I was never particularly academic, which is ironic that I now work in a learning company, but. I was never a academic as such. So I kind of was your, uh, for those in the UK, I've seen a programme called the Inbetweeners. I was kind of one of those. I wasn't in the cool club. I wasn't just nobody. I just kind of, I, I was everyone, I was no one's enemy, um, but I had a pretty close-knit group of friends and we just got on with our lives type of thing. But I was never really um, punted as someone that was going to be particularly good at public speaking. Um, and... Um, in the entire school, we were asked to all do readings to our classes in English. And um, and I had been told by my by some of my, not not the bullies, to be fair. And I, and I think it's be careful here. But I said, well, you know, you're not going to be very good, are you? But, let, you know, and then let, we'll, we'll support you. And I'd um, managed to find a Rowan Atkinson, Rowan Atkinson speech that was written for a monologue that he did in one of his sketch programs back in the 80s that clearly had been aired, got great ratings at the time and never really come out to be emerged again. Um, so I'd managed to listen to this audio track off of my dad's LP of Rowan Atkinson, written it down and I this is what I was going to read. And it was, um, so I'd got this script and he'd done it, His I'd copied his pauses and everything else to let the, you know, so I'd listen to it and practice it. Pra- Anyway, went in and, and I stood in front of this class of 20, 20, I was quite lucky, private school, 20 children, and read out this thing. And the English teacher was like, wow. And and there was some kids in the class that were kind of like, and it, it, it was a comedy sketch. So it wasn't anything kind of moving or emotional or motivational. But there was this, in my head, my, internally it was saying self one, self one, self one. But I thought, I, I think this is, this is quite funny. It makes me laugh, so it should make them laugh. Anyway, I ended up winning the the whole school. The finals was in this massive hall with 600 children, and there was three of us, and I won. Wow. 
And self one on that day was horrendous, as you can appreciate, because all the comments I'd had up until that. So I think to your point, JB, for leaders, we need to experience, you know, it's quite lonely when you are at the top. And when you're on stage public speaking, I think that is probably the most obvious examples you and me have both just given where you are lonely. And I think there are some comparisons as people leaders the further up the food chain you go, the more lonely you become because your people that report to you are ultimately under your control, power with or power over, my boss can potentially fire me. And it's not, I I think sometimes the anxieties of self one are not dissimilar on stage when actually you think, what what am I going to do about these people? And what have I hated about my boss? And I can remember all the times that I, you know, behind my boss's back said to my peer group, he's a right ass. I don't like him. And I, and I wonder, um, from a people manager's perspective, I often, the, the reason that story sticks so well in my head is because the anxiety you feel for self one always brings me back to that memory. And I've not shared it with you before, have I? No, I love that story. I think that's uh, that that's overcoming um quite a lot of uh difficulties and and voices and it's a testament to you well now um, we do it don't, don't we <laughs> yeah uh, and i um it it's what what happens in our education in our school is so important for our development yeah um i uh i i'm dyslexic my uh daughter my eldest daughter is dyslexic uh, who she's an opera singer she got into the royal academy uh, because they thought she could sing like a an angel and she could she was 16 and a half 17 unprecedented entry into the royal academy um they assumed that she could read music she couldn't um because uh every time they gave her music to sing she would listen to it uh and a, a, a bit like you and you know she went off uh, listened to something uh, that they had asked her to to put together um and then she um got up and blasted it out and they thought oh my god she's a superstar um but uh, unfortunately um it actually really unraveled for her and she had a had a breakdown uh under the intense pressure um and my son uh is uh, is severely dyslexic and i'm glad to say that he got into the police uh, with that in mind, my early childhood with having dyslexia undiagnosed at that time uh, was a very traumatizing time in my life uh, where I couldn't learn anything because I was deemed to be stupid. I was deemed to be um, uh, incapable of learning off a blackboard, incapable of taking instruction and uh, eventually I became quite angry and frustrated. Mm. Um, and then I started getting beaten at school. Then I started getting beaten at home. Um, flipping teachers in those days were brutal and ruthless bullies. And uh, not all of them, I'm, I'm not saying all teachers were, but mine, I had a couple and I won't mention them, um, but they made my life a complete uh, misery and used to stick my head uh, in a desk and slam down uh, the desk lid on my head um, and they used to um, beat me uh, and one teacher punched me and that was a very bad uh, experience and didn't help for my learning at all. No. 
It's funny, um, isn't it, how these these things sit with you for so long, and I think that's huge. That's the challenge, isn't it? To your point around the you know the Ralph story, you know, and yeah. I and I know like you, I was also I worked for GWR later than you, and I was a lot further down the food chain, but I had huge admiration because he was a very charismatic, kind, gentle, very kind, successful leader, absolutely, and and ticked every box of what you and I would yeah. aspire to be leading our businesses, absolutely, and his. Informal, off the cuff, probably humorous, with no malice intended. Remark none whatsoever. Um, sits with you, and and you've said before that, and, and actually, you and me have spoken to someone that will remain nameless, um, who we sometimes joke about in these episodes, and he's come on as a guest sometimes. Who was working for Ralph? Um, yeah. I remember having a conversation with him more recently, and obviously, this is when he was up in the gods, and I was down in the you know with the with the with the with the, the slave, so to speak. Is he was intimidating. And I and I mentioned this to him, and he's now mortified of the legacy that he's probably imprinted on people's mind of his style. And ironically, he too is a lovely person. Um, Absolutely. When you when you take people out of these environments, and I think that there is there is something really to be said about our experiences playing into self one that then feeds into this fixed dynamic mindset that we have as a people leader. Do we want our reputation to be? Um, you know, Ralph or or a bully, but equally to your point, even people, even the best leaders with the best of intentions, sometimes will say things that uproots memories of childhood experiences of of being humiliated, and and and, and, yeah. and can can lead to trying too hard, which I think, um, you know, a lot of my latter teens and early entry into management. Um, I tried far too hard. I was the one working late into the office, late into the night in the office. Um, I was my, my. I think the the formality, the formal thing that I went into, which which was actually a bit cold, I think was was part of that. And I'm not a cold person at all. But I I started projecting this, thinking I you know I've got to be very objective. I've got to be very tight, and I've got to be better than anyone else uh, to make up for the inadequacy of my earlier education and. Uh, it's funny how all of these things feed your yourself one, and actually, what what we need to do uh, with people like us, and we are not alone. Nope. And I can tell you that uh, there are so many wonderful clients that I've worked with over the years who've all got similar stories and stories where, you know, for, with the best intent, other people had undermined their confidence and taken away their self esteem. Not not intentionally, but there are words, statements, things that had happened that actually need to be aired, uh, and uh, these people need a damn good listening to. And I can tell you, if you do that and give some air to it, uh, some sunlight, uh, people can actually deal with it and work with it and actually make it their strength. And I feel that Ant is probably here doing what he's doing because he is, and I am certainly doing what I'm doing, uh, because I've converted all of those experiences into something that is self too, and having confidence to try new shit all the time, <clears throat> yeah. um, even though it's a little bit, no, not a little bit, very uncomfortable sometimes. And I think where we're going in our careers and what we're up to with, with your live learning um, and the courses I'm building, I, I'm actually, a lot of it is scaring me shitless as I delve into it. Yeah. Um, but I'm also completely enjoying every second of what we're doing together and what I'm doing with my book and the courses that I'm building and everything else. 
um, I was wondering a few moments ago as to how do we bring this to a, a conclusion for our listeners in terms of takeaways, but I think you've done it really nicely. Um, for me, I think I have been so much more comfortable in my own skin, being more conscious of, and without reading the book, of self one, <laughs> self two. And yeah, and yeah. the reputation and being more self-aware of how my behaviours can translate into a reputation that others may have of me. And maybe myself one more these days is actually about being overconscious of my impact of what I might say with the best of intentions on other people. Um, so if there are any takeaways from this episode, which I'm sure there are a number of things, because we, we went quite deep there, JB. Normally we're quite lighthearted and humorous. But, uh, I know. Have we still got any listeners listening? I don't know. Well, we've got some live listeners. I don't know about the pre-recorded ones. But um, anyway, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking with us. But no, um, <laughs> I, I think um, to your point, JB, I think, and and we have some mental health training we run in our company that we, me and JB work with or work for, should I say, or, or are, because we're, we're shareholders in that company. But um, we um, often mistake anxiety for a reflex reaction to stop us from doing something. Um, you know, we, we surely don't want that feeling. And um, a psychologist that's been doing some webinars for us makes this really interesting point. And I'm not a qualified um, psychologist, so but I know, JB, you do have a degree in that subject. But the chemicals that are released in your body when you are scared are the same chemicals you release when you're excited. And apparently um, he is a psychologist, this guy that does some training for us, um, says to some of his clients that he works with, um, actually, um, if you feel that feeling, tell yourself you're excited. It's the same feeling. And actually, uh, sports people, men and women, are often asked by journalists, how are you feeling just before they go and start doing the 100-meter hurdles, 100-meter race? And, you know, obviously, you know, the expectation is nervous. So, but they are trained to say, I'm excited. So next time you're watching a sports interview and they say, how are you feeling right now? And it's before the race has happened. See what she says. Because if they've been trained, self-two is all about spinning this positively, not negatively. There you go. You know, a couple of uh, weeks ago, we did a podcast and we talked about courage and how important um, it is to kind of identify what it is in yourself. And, and we went away thinking, you know, maybe we could come back and talk about courageous things that we do on future podcasts. Well, today I, I wanted to share uh, my dyslexia and also that... Um, my education and my home life was extremely violent as a young man and as a child um, you know it was devastating to my learning and I I do what I do now uh, because I meet people who have stories where their learning had been put on hold for whatever reason and uh, that that is why the fixed and dynamic mindset area is interesting to me um, but also self one and self two, uh, because a lot of people could have been destroyed uh, by what happened to me as a young child man. Um, it didn't. It did the absolute opposite. It totally motivated me to learn, but on my terms, in the way that I want to learn and the way that I need to learn. And um, that is me, uh, I think, being a little bit courageous about sharing uh, some stuff that is deeply personal but actually, I think in where I'm going, uh, I want to talk about this. Uh, I, I think it is absolutely germane to the way that I operate, who I am, 
and you know where I'm going to go from from here. So I wanted to use this moment uh, to to share that. Um, I wonder whether we should uh, give the last words to Tim Galway uh, in describing self one and self two because what he says. Uh, I think will resonate with an awful lot of our listeners, but I, I, I'm not going to make that assumption. I'm going to, to leave them to decide. Here it is. Self one tries to instruct self two using words, but self two responds best to images and internalizing the physical experience of carrying out the desired action. A bit like what you were just saying. Um, in short, if we let ourselves lose touch with our ability to feel our actions by relying too heavily on instructions, we can seriously compromise our access to our natural learning processes and our potential to perform. I find that so inspirational and life-changing, game-changing. I hope that we haven't um, gone too far with this stuff but I Amazing. think it's massively powerful yeah. and uh, I hope that we can cover it again uh, in future sessions so um, I think we're probably coming towards the end of this podcast have we got any questions and we have two listener questions if you want to oh, submit good. one as well um stick it into the q a box if you're in the live audience um both questions i have here are pre-submitted we also need to do a couple of hellos don't we do you remember so we got tagged on social media in oh, the week yes, um yes, yes, yes. congratulations to olha who's just been promoted to um, a finance director role for western oh, europe yes. for the company yes um that's fantastic <clears throat> she's a regular listener to ours and um, yeah. we congratulate well i congratulate i think totally. you'd like code comments and then she goes oh i'm regular listen to the podcast thank you so i said i'd make sure we shouted her out so olha hello Good. well shouted um uh, hello to you <clears throat> um also hello to maria who um i wasn't explicit enough in our previous announcement i hope you're cooking a nice lunch apparently she listens to the podcast on a sunday um for those of you that are in the live audience if you're interested we have an entire back catalogue of, of of podcasts if you search seedle on your preferred podcast platform you'll see there's a choice of leadership or sales choose the leadership one and you'll be able to listen to all the old episodes which some of them are much less deep and more humorous some of them are outright outrageous uh, and then we also occasionally have guests in. We've had Ian Dale, a broadcaster, as a guest also william rogers and um um amongst others so um so that's that. Anyway, listener questions. Um, uh, one word to describe the perfect leader submitted by Gemma. Ooh. Um, it's difficult. Can we hyphenate it? Integrity. Oh, see, I didn't think about this. I've just read out the question. <laughs> I'm um, going to go for integrity. Um, um, vision. Vision just to be okay. different uh okay and this one's more of a humorous personal question and this comes from come come comes in comes in from matthew and this is who would play you in a movie about yourself um ooh. Uh, well i first thought of brad pitt and then i thought mm, he's just not good looking enough is he just not not really not able to um he's a bit scrawny um we need uh i think for me can it be someone who's dead i think so what well, doesn't it's, it's, uh, i mean i know they wouldn't be very good actors if they're dead but anyway if you can imagine <laughs> this guy alive yes i i think rock hudson i think could could rock 
rocket. I think he could do me quite well. Well, that sounds a bit dodgy. Does on, th- on your rock and roll bed? <laughs> <laughs> I think Rock Hudson could could do me quite well on my rock and roll bed. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go for someone living only because I'm much younger and don't know much uh, uh, of the dead movie stars. Uh, Tom Hanks. I think he's adaptable. Oh, and and you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. I can see the likeness. There's no other questions coming in the Q&A box. There's nothing else there. Fine. Okay. Before we go, we need to find out, obviously, the weekend's plans, JB, are, of course, picking up your your, your thing, isn't it? Yeah. We get the bongo on Saturday. Uh, We're going on a little mini convoy on Sunday with some right old saddos, with some Prosecco, um, and this delicious... um, I I really got into this red Leicester cheese um, from Aldi. Uh, my my stepson found this cheese and brought it here for Sunday lunch. And I tell you what, it's the best cheese I've ever tasted. Anyway, so we're going rocking <laughs> off on our um, bongo uh, with some red Leicester cheese and some Prosecco, meeting some uh, other fellow saddos uh, with their camper vans what has become of me and that I'm talking <laughs> about this bullshit seriously um and uh, anyway we'll have the speaker going uh, we'll be listening to the water boys hold of the uh, moon nice we'll be listening to led zeppelin we'd be listening to um um all sorts of maybe even some classical stuff i don't know i don't know but i will take my banjo and we will play some weird shit and it's going to be fun that's my weekend i'm really looking forward to it nice i'm jet washing the driveway and then we've got my cousins coming to visit um so yeah you know thanks (laughs) oh i love a bit of jet washing i wish we could get our jet washes out together and do some serious jet washing one day um it's a, a brick driveway these ones and it's um it's quite a big one we're lucky I, that sounds like quite braggy it doesn't i promise you that it's my worst nightmare i managed to do um about a tenth of it so i'm going to try and have a three hour blitz on it but it produces i didn't realize how much muck it produces it's crazy isn't it i anyway. wish i could come and join you i love jet washing it's one of my favorite things yeah I, I, it's just how mucky you get um that's yeah. my, my biggest oh yeah you've got a cover you've got to get waterproof mm. and then yeah. it's even more fun yeah there you go and then one... squirt the squirt the dog <laughs> And yeah, the kids. that's painful, isn't it? Unless and you it get... bloody hurts. Mm, yeah. But anyway, on that note, <laughs> um, talking about JB's violent childhood, let's go and blast some kids with a jet wash. <laughs> oh, um... yeah. Come on. Uh, I've been Anthony Price. And I've been Jonathan Bradley. And you have all rendered me now utterly, utterly speechless. Goodbye. Goodbye.